Good morning, Maria. Welcome back. Thanks, Andrea. How are you? I am excellent. For those of you joining the podcast today, Maria Nardi is our British correspondent. She is here to talk all things royal wedding to give us her rundown and her take. Maria, I am so, first of all, I'm like beyond excited and I cannot wait to have this conversation. It is something that you and I have kind of danced around on the weekend, but we held off on really talking about it because of the fact that we wanted this to be like super fresh and raw for our listeners. So you are my guest, the floor is yours, and I cannot wait to hear what you thought of this wedding. Well, I will tell you that I agree 100% with you. And I, and as you said, we, we, we touched on it a little bit over the weekend because I couldn't wait to get on the podcast. So I, I had to ping you and be like, what did you think? Right. Um, and I agree with you you kind of needed to step away from it a little bit to let it all sink in because the reaction I'm having to it today was not the reaction I had to it on Saturday. And it, I'm referring to um, her dress. Okay. That I, as you know, was completely underwhelmed with her dress. Um, I loved the lines of it and I did love the simplicity of it, but I thought, that it was ill-fitting in certain places. I felt like she needed to have it taken in a little bit more in the waist and a little bit through the bust. And I, I was distracted a lot watching her move in it because I felt like it just did not fit her well. Um, Underwhelmed, by the way, is the word that so many people have said. It's, mm -hmm. it's amazing how that specific word, within the first, I'm going to go ahead and say three hours, that was the word that everybody defaulted to, that it was underwhelming. Yes. Um, and so looking at the photos, and I apologize because I know I like was crazy on text this morning, texting <laughs> the screenshots and stuff like that. Um, like I don't follow Kensington Palace. I know. But I, I know. love the fact that you were all about it. Oh, waiting. Just waiting for those, those images to be released. Um, but seeing the photos, it was a whole different feeling. Um, seeing the photos, they were, she looked stunning. Um, the dress photographed much better than it videoed, if that makes sense. See, and now I have to say, well, my reaction was similar, but opposite. So the first thing is I, you know, I, I had ever get live. But then my son wasn't feeling well. And, you know, sadly, my priority was not sadly, but like my priority shifted. And so I was taking care of him and I was trying to watch the stills come out because I really wanted to be able to turn off my phone and watch the actual video and be super present for it. So the first still kind of comes out and she's walking. The first one that I saw was she was walking into the chapel and it was a photo from behind. And I saw the clean lines of the dress. I saw the sleeves and I saw that just fucking spectacular veil. And I thought, oh my God, like this is everything, I am dead. The second shot that I see is her kind of turning towards the crowd. And I had the exact same word pop into my mind. like. This is underwhelming, immediately followed by something's wrong, immediately followed by 
wait a minute, this is the same exact shape and styling that my mother had when she married my father 45 years ago. My mother had the same shape dress. She had the sleeves. There was absolutely no embellishment. She had a really long veil. And I loved the way that my mother looked. And so in my head, I'm like, what, what's wrong? And I'm zooming in and I'm looking, wondering like, does she need more lashes? Is it that she doesn't have any shimmer on her lip? And all of a sudden, as I'm zooming on the picture, I hit her waist. And I said, that's where there's a problem. Like there was a proportion that was off for me ever so slightly due to the tailoring. And I kept going back saying, well, maybe it's that her hair needed just an inch more height or whatever it was. I looked at it and I didn't expect, you know, you and I talked about the dress at length. Neither one of us expected bodycon, but the tailoring just needed a touch in the waist. And I think that that's what the masses had this initial reaction to is like, it, it, there was just something about it that needed a nip. Absolutely. And I think it was the difference between almost giving the difference between her appearing like she had a boyish figure versus a feminine figure. See now, but what was funny is that was when I saw the stills. When I, when I stepped away and I went back and I watched the video, I had a completely opposite reaction to the video. When, when she stepped out and she walked up those stairs in the video and I saw how the dress moved on her and I saw her face and just the entire way that she presented, I thought, this is perfect. And not only was it perfect, but there was such an audacity to the dress choice that there was, I mean, all of it. And I know I'm, I'm one of the ones who said I would have loved to have seen an overskirt because I thought she wanted to do something modern and fresh. Like all of those things, when it came down to it, Meghan Markle stood there 100% in her purpose, in her person. And there, there was, there was a regal fuck you quality to it of this is who I am and this is everything that I'm about. And the dress is here to get me down the aisle, but she wore that dress. There was nothing about it that wore her. She wore that dress and was so confident in her position and her power that when I saw the video, I was done. The minute I saw the video, I loved it. You're pausing. Yeah, like, yeah, no, because I, I wasn't sure if you were done yet. Um, and no, I mean, that it's an interesting take on it. And again, you know, I think we're both arriving at the same place just through opposite experiences. It took me a couple of days to absolutely fall in love with it. And I think it was seeing it photographed in the formal portraits. Like, the formal portraits this morning, for, for anyone who hasn't seen them, these are that I, to say that they're everything, they are, they're stunning. They are iconic. They are romantic. They are, they're glamorous. The black and white of him and her made my heart stop. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, and again, I think that after seeing the three portraits that Kensington Palace released this morning, and again, don't get me wrong. I did like the dress. I'm all about things being simple and elegant. And I mean, I loved Carolyn Bissett Kennedy's dress, which I think, you know, people have said that this was sort of a nod to that, that kind of 
you know, simplistic elegance. Um, I loved her dress. Um, so I'm all about sort of the, what kept throwing me on Saturday was I felt like it wasn't fitting her that well. Agreed. The bust and the waist. Um, but when I saw those portraits today, I'm like, it all just sort of wrapped it all up, tied it up, put a bow on the package. And I definitely give it a thumbs up. Absolutely. And looking at, and uh, you know, there were a lot of people that were like, they couldn't believe that her mom wore, you know, a shade of green and the queen was wearing green. But when you see the portrait of the entire bridal party with the fam, with the extended families, um, it all ties in so well, you know, the two shades of green, the green in the florals, because there was a lot of green in the bouquets. I just thought that it all tied in so beautifully. So we're, we have so much to talk about, like so much to talk about with all of this. Let's, I, I will say this, you are so right. And when, you know, when I, when I saw her mom, I thought, you know what? what a what a really unique woman and what a an an unbelievable position to be placed in historically and to be walking in to this situation first of all i mean driving in with her daughter they looked so relaxed and they mm-hmm. looked so beautiful together and they truly looked like best friends and they were having this great time Um, But when I saw her walk in and she's by herself, and perhaps it's because my mother had to go to my wedding by herself without my father, um, there was so much dignity to who she was and so much respect and just adoration for her daughter. And I I didn't notice the green on her because it was muted. Now, when the queen got out, I was like, look at her. Like this little day glow lime green. Is lime green going to be a thing now? But the queen is so badass. Like she has no fucks to give for anyone. She wanted to wear green with purple. Like it was, it was like peacocky and bright and like, a high, like, but I, I'm like, she's the queen. She don't care. She's going to do what she wants to do. Well, and, and she when, pulls off those bright colors just like nobody else. Yeah, I mean, we've seen her in canary yellow and we've seen her in, in, you know, hot, hot, hot pink and turquoise. I mean, she pulls off those colors. She is. Yeah. And I looked at it and I, it didn't even, at first I was like, okay, interesting. Like, that's interesting. They both wore green. But then when the picture came out and I saw it, especially with all the greenery, which is a very, very American kind of nod right now all of the greenery and the white flowers that kind of I don't want to call it rustic but like gardeny elegance and romantic and wild and not contrived like that was a very American touch because none of it looked overly produced but when I saw the picture and how all the greenery played into each other I thought that could not have been an accident that was so well planned wasn't lost on me that the portraits were taken in the green drawing room a hundred percent a hundred percent but before we have to go back to Megan because I you know we now have an American who is a British duchess but her look we have to deconstruct this and like the shoes so friggin' on point 
the, the tailoring of the dress, I think, has been discussed quite a bit. The other thing that has been discussed quite a bit was her hair. I am not going to lie. I, 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 I called for a messy bun. I wanted a messy bun. I would have liked to have seen an inch more height. Everyone was upset by the hair that was coming down in the front. I wasn't. I actually loved that because it felt like her. I didn't like the little hairs that like stuck out in the back because in my world, I am all about the veil and they distracted me from like that clean line of tool in the back. The front didn't bother me. The back did. I felt like the back should have just been, there should have been more attention paid to the pinning. And I'm, I'm not the only one that had an issue so much so that the hairdresser actually did an interview with people and said that was by design. She wanted it to slowly come out throughout the ceremony. I just don't think that the, I think the front worked. I think the back didn't. It's funny. I, and you're going to be like, what was wrong with you? Because I didn't notice the back until. Until I said it. Exactly. Here's what I was having an issue with. And I'm probably, you know, this will probably be the last time you ever have me on your podcast because you're probably going to disagree with me. But no, I, I love you. I will live with the consequences. I had an issue with, and I get, I, first of all, I love when she does the center part and the messy bun. Love, love, love that. If my hair were longer and thicker, I would be, well, I wouldn't be rocking it, but I would be attempting to rock it um, okay. day in, day out. However, what I had an issue with was the tiara she chose with the big, uh, for lack of a better term, it almost looked like it was, a you know, some sort of like rosette design smack dab in the center of the tiara, right lining up right at the center part. I felt like that shifted your focus strictly to the middle of her head. And I think I would have liked to have seen a, a, a different tiara, maybe one that didn't have something going on in the center because you had the center part, then you had something going on in the center of the tiara. And I found my eye continually being drawn to that area when there were so many other things to be looking at, like her hair falling out in the back. Okay, stop. You're right. This is the last time you're coming because <laughs> that tiara was... First of all, that tiara hasn't even been seen in public since the early 1950s. I believe it was 1953. And so for all the people who were out there trying to guess what tiara she was going to wear, pulling all the pictures of Princess Diana, trying to figure out if that was going to be the homage, this tiara was perfectly in line with everything who she is. Unexpected, understated, and completely just beautiful. And I what... I thought you were going to turn around and say, if the hair in the front was already styled down the way that it was for the second look, which we're going to get to, I thought you were going to say that would have been perfect. And I was going to be like, you know what? That's right. If it was chunkier pieces, but you can like, you can't disrespect that bandeau okay. because that was that for me. When I looked at that, I was like, yes, queen. And I know she's never going to be queen, but it was so stunning. Okay. So before you, you, you banish me from this podcast for life. No, I mean, you're here now. We might as well talk. Okay. All right. I just get in my final, final words. Right. Um, but no, before, you know, you banish it, there's nothing wrong with the tiara. I love the tiara. I just didn't like it with the center part of her hair. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. And I think maybe because I'm somebody who loves symmetry, like symmetry to me is so important that I thought it was such a beautiful choice. I thought it, I thought it really highlighted her beauty. Like it was just topped right at the top of her head and it highlighted her beauty so magnificently and it looked good from all angles. I get what you're saying, but I think it would have been more distracting if your eye didn't have a clean line to follow. And everything about this look was about being in a very clean line. Truly the only embellishment, which if you pay really close attention to the veil, um, you know, they've talked about how all, what was it? 53, 58 Commonwealth. 53, yeah. Plus, um, you know, her home state, all of these things were embroidered on the veil. But what I, what I found interesting was when she had the veil over her face for the Bedeckin portion of it, for all of my Jewish friends out there, where the veil laid when she came in directly across her waist, almost created the look of a belt. And then it went over her head and you saw the entire clean lines. But the, the look of her from top to bottom was so much about just letting your eye flow. And I really feel like, you know, when you look at the dress, the styling, the design, the, I'm not even going to say the jewelry, the, the, the shocking lack of a big diamond. Um, you know, the biggest jewelry she had was on her wrist. But when you look at all that, it almost was all of it drew you to her face. And then she did not do, forget about like heavy makeup. She it was so lightly touched and so lightly kissed. And it was almost like the entire thing drew you in to her eyes and to her mouth and and her smile and her freckles and her skin and just being who she was. And the lip bite, if my husband doesn't bite his lip every time he sees me now, I'm pissed. Like when he raised that and he looks at her and he tells her how amazing she looks and he bites his lip, freaking you sexy little ginger. <laughs> like he, he was adorable. But I love a redhead. He was so adorable throughout that entire thing. Like it, it was amazing just to watch his reaction, you know? What I, what I also think is interesting and back to her styling, he's not going to like, it would take a level of tragedy that is unspeakable for him to be king and for her to be queen. Mm -hmm. And so in one sense, there was not that level of pressure going into any of their selections. And when they talk about, you know, people have talked about what she's given up and in interviews, he's even downplayed it and say, you know, it's not what she's giving up. It's the next chapter. You, you have to talk about what she's giving up. This is a woman who is 36 years old, the same age as his mother was when she died. This is a woman who created her own career, her own website, her own social media platform, her own activism, who has so much stood in a place of power in her voice, who is giving up her right to have, in, in a lot of ways, a public opinion that differs from the firm. She's up, she has to love him to give that up. And I think that her dress choice and her styling spoke to that. She's not here because she wants to be a princess because she didn't choose a princess dress. She's not here for the jewels because she wasn't dripping in them. She's not here for the pomp and circumstance because she's never gotten to that crown. She is here for him and she presented herself to him 
just as her. She will go, I, I call it, she will go down in history as the most well-presented royal bride, I think, more so even than Kate. And I know I'm going to get a lot of backlash from that, but the way that these two looked at each other, the way that they fit, and the symbolism of everything, the forget-me-nots that Harry picked for her bouquet, the flowers that were in the arches that they were the peonies that were planted for the 20th anniversary of Diana's death, the embroidery, all of it, the symbolism in this wedding, the freaking choir, the preacher. Oh my God. I mean, this was the most personal royal wedding that we've ever seen. And it all starts with her. You're not going to get any argument from me over anything that you just said. Absolutely. Oh, good, Especially again. with regard to Kate, because remember, you know, and yes, I am not doubting that, that, you know, there is a romance and that William and Kate truly love each other. This was not in a quote unquote arranged thing like Diana and Charles were. And let's face it, it pretty much was an arranged, you know, 100%. marriage. Um, but, you know, Kate had to be heavily vetted because she's going to be the future queen. Um, Megan, you know, and like you said, barring any just unspeakable tragedy, they're never going to ascend the throne. So there's a lot more flexibility and a lot more, if you will, freedom. Um, and I use that word loosely because, you know, again, there is not a lot of freedom that, that they can have being, you know, in the family or in the firm and also you know, just with the eyes of the world watching them. But I absolutely agree 100% with everything you just said. I just, you know, I, I love them. I love her. And, you know, I thought the only way she could have done a drop earring because Kate did a small drop earring and I thought it was too small for her to have done a drop earring. She would have needed to do something bigger, like what Kate wore to the wedding. And she, that would have been too much for her. It would have thrown off the aesthetic she was going for. So for the, you know, and she didn't go with a huge, big Hollywood diamond. She went with a small stud that looked like it was surrounded by a jacket. Beautiful. The bracelet I loved. Fantastic. I love that she wore her engagement ring on the right hand and then switched it to the left. Like all of that. Fantastic. Do you want to talk now about the guest styling, or do you want to talk about the ceremony? Call it. Oh, we, whatever you want. I've got a lot to say. Okay. You pick which one first. Let's talk about the guest styling first. And I mean, I, I know you and I are in total agreement. I'm all Clooney. Like, okay. Oh, I said it on the last podcast. I said, I don't know why. I don't know where, I don't know how we're going to see yellow. Yep. And fucking a mop. Like she walked out. She, I'm not, I'm going to say this right now. She is the reason I have not cut bangs, which <laughs> sounds so silly, but my God, is this woman perfect? And that actor she married, like, Oh, what's his face? Yeah. But I mean, think about it. George Clooney had to marry. So, like he had to find somebody that would match him. She has eclipsed him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because she is such a spectacular human being. She is everything that anyone could ask for. She is beautiful. She is articulate. She is well-spoken. She is success, like everything. But then 
her sartorial choices are just so fantastic. I'm not going to lie. I kind of wanted to see a picture of her and the queen standing next to each other, like a little Sprite ad Ugh. or like a Sierra mist, like that super lemon yellow and that super lime lime. Mm-hmm. But in that dress, with that hat, with that makeup, I just thought it does not get better than a mall. And I was so thrilled because I was like, yes, she wore the yellow. But then again, so did Kate Middleton. It's actually a very light lemon. And it's something she's worn on a couple of occasions. It photographed a little too cream for me, a little too white. But when you look at her jewelry, she went with yellow accents and some yellow diamonds because the the jacket is actually considered to be lemon yellow. Um, okay. Going back to a mall for a minute. I mean, just absolutely flawless, 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 flawless. And if you look really closely at Clooney's tie, it's a stripe. And the darker stripe is the exact yellow of what she wore. Like, they just looked perfect together. And what I absolutely love the most about her outfit was the, the back sash detail. Um, Oh, that was amazing. That's what, to me, that's what brought it all, you know, because yes, by itself, it was a lovely yellow, you know, mid-length dress. Perfect. But the back just, it was that unexpected twist, if you will. Um, Absolutely loved it. I know that I looked at it on my, you know, big screen TV and I immediately, you know, put down whatever pastry I was about to stuff in my mouth. and I was like, this is, I mean, you, you cannot say anything bad about her, about them, about, and they were just absolutely flawless. Um, Kate Middle, or uh, Kate, um, that's the third time she's worn it. And I can't help but wonder if it's her post-pregnancy sort of go-to item because she wore, um, she wore it after she gave birth to Charlotte. She wore it in Charlotte's christening. So that would have been like six weeks, almost about the same time frame, if you will, between giving birth and um, wearing it again. So I can't help if, is that her go-to? I have to get dressed up after I've had a kid look. Um, I don't know. But I, I I did feel like the occasion Kate could have worn something new. Yeah. Oh, I Like agree. your brother-in-law, who, who you're so close with, is getting married. A new frock would not have been uncalled for. I did feel like she mailed it in a little bit. Yeah especially with how beautiful she looked at her sister's wedding. And granted, I get it. That's her sister. And I also understand that this isn't a state affair, but you know, the, another prince is getting married. She could have done a new outfit. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, Um, What did you think of Serena? Because I thought she looked awful. um, I was not a fan. I did, however, like the dress Reception. It was Valentina. Agreed. Um, loved it. Thought it was really great. I have to go to a black tie wedding this summer in Banff. And I was like, oh, I really like, I like that look. Sort of the printed skirt and the solid top. So that's sort of on my, hmm, I'll have to investigate that look a little further. Um, I also thought Priyanka, is it Priyanka, her friend from Quantico? Yes. I did not like her look. No. I thought it was way too severe. And I thought that it looked like she was trying way too hard. And yet the entire cast of Suits and their dates were absolute perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, agreed there. Um, 
I was a little disappointed in Victoria Beckham. I it looked I, like she and David were fighting. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Like it would not have killed her to maybe smile once. I, I'm not sure. Um, well, see, that's the thing. In other like stills and things that came out, it looked like she was happy and warm with other people, but specifically not with him. And it's the first time that I've really noticed a chill between them. And that mm -hmm. made me sad because I think that they have this beautiful family and this great, you know, to the world, they have this great love story and they've said such beautiful things about each other in the press. And so to see them off their game made me sad. Yeah. And I recently, and again, take, take it with a grain of salt, but read, I think it was either an Us Weekly or, you know, one of, one of the tabloids that they are living separate lives right now. And I was like, oh, I don't want to believe that. But then after watching them and observing, you know, the body language and all of that at the wedding, I kind of think maybe they are. I don't know. But, um, you know, their marital issues aside, I just, I wasn't really impressed with what she wore. I've seen her look a lot better. I've seen great outfits from her. This just wasn't one of them. This was not a good look. I just, I just didn't think, I thought the Navy was very, very drab on her. I, I didn't mind the Navy and I didn't mind the sleeves. It was the energy that was off for me. Hmm. I mean, it was, it was definitely the energy that was off. Um, I didn't think that, I didn't think she looked great. And I know I'm going to get hell for this. I didn't think Oprah looked great. I liked Oprah's hat and I'm probably going to get hell for that. Um, but I, I'm all about the hat. I really am. I love, love, love the hat. I didn't like the dress and I felt like it, they, I had read and saw in the news that, you know, she, that was not the original outfit she was supposed to wear. She uh, wasn't happy with the color, thought it was photographing too close to white, had Stella McCartney's team work overnight to create the pink outfit she wore. I kind of think that maybe they could have worked a few more hours because I just did not, I don't know if it was the fit or what, I just did not like what Oprah was wearing. And I uh, I 100% agree. I felt like there were people who looked totally at ease and like they made perfect sense in terms of the outfit. And I felt like other people just were way too structured. And I think if you looked at the guest list, the people who went for, for severe structure, which really was, you know, Oprah, which was Priyanka, those really missed the mark. And it's, it's still a daytime ceremony. But if you looked at the people who were a little bit more relaxed, her mother, whose dress was not overly severe. It had a little bit of movement to it. The queen, Kate, um, Amal, all of those. And if you look at, at Amal, the back of her dress is actually mm -hmm. a sash. It's from each side that it kind of, and it's funny because I had that on the back of my wedding dress. It's always about us. Um, but like those, those guests, a lot of, I, I don't know what you would call them. I, I don't know that you want to call them like, cousins or second dignitaries, but Diana's niece in that green Dolce & Gabbana that just kind of had some flow to it 
was yes. breathtaking. Yes. I mean, truly breathtaking. All of the women that came in from suits really wore these very beautiful demure kind of midi length dresses that had a slight sleeve and a slight look to them, but they still, they were appropriate for a daytime mm-hmm. event. There, and there were some outfits and they were people that were just coming in in the very beginning. So they were probably B and C listers. Don't know who they were, but there was one woman who had on a fascinator that had four feathers sticking straight up. And from far away, it looked like a gigantic fork. Um, and I was super bummed that Fergie's daughters didn't, you know, cross the line this year. I, I was really hoping for a little bit of comic relief with them. But um, no, one had on um, like four feathers that almost created kind of a, a headband sort of look. Um, but a little disappointed. I, I was really hoping that one of them would, um, you know, kind of cross the line. So the the person, one of the most inappropriate outfits, I mean, it's one thing to turn around and say like, oh, I didn't love Oprah styling or I didn't love Priyanka styling. They were still appropriate. I thought one of the most inappropriate outfits was the one that Sabrina, I believe the last name is Dower. She is the fiance of Idris Elba. Yes. He is such a beautiful man. And his voice is like velvet. And the Gucci cardigan with the Gucci bag with the black and blue on her leg and the, the goo, it looked like, first of all, so awful. It was awful. Just it was awful. Too, it was, it was like, it was like just a Gucci ad and it wasn't about her making a styling statement. It was her not knowing any better and just saying like, it, it was Garanimals for an adult, and it was so inappropriate and so poorly done for a royal wedding. And I just thought, he deserves better. Like, oh, my God. Well, it's almost better. like somebody said to her, we'll just wear Gucci because it's Gucci and you'll be fine. And it looked like it looked like a long tennis sweater. Just I, because it's Gucci hey, doesn't I, make it I right. I absolutely agree with you. Um, James yes. Blunt, the singer, I don't know if it's his date or his wife, but whoever she is, she wore, and I, I looked at it and I said, damn, the dress looked heavy from the front. But then when she moved, you could see that it was actually almost like embroidered over something that was thinner and like gossamer because you could see through it. She was a knockout, just so beautiful. And Karen Spencer in that purple with kind of like the caplet and the jet black hair and the purple hat like oh amazing now we're gonna backpedal we're gonna go back to the ceremony i read well let me say this first of all i watched the whole thing from start to finish i loved it i loved the preacher until like i think he could have cut the last three minutes off when he started talking about like slaves and spirituals and things like that, it was, it didn't make sense. Not because it doesn't make sense to acknowledge slavery. It didn't make sense because it was one line. Like in this whole big, beautiful thing about love and power and all of the things that it does and talking about Martin Luther King Jr. and quoting all of these great things and quoting the Bible and giving this beautiful gossip. It's like we threw in two lines of slavery and then we abandoned it and went right back around. 
that was the only part that I was like, all right, we literally could have stopped it right before that and been perfect. I thought he was, but I loved it. I thought he was fantastic. Everyone else was like, what in the hell is going on here? I, I thought he was so great. But the faces of the people in the room were like blown away. Oh, it was hysterical to watch the camera pan in on some of the faces. I just was like, oh my God, they have no idea what's happening. But when you talk about a country that like Britain doesn't have the same history of slavery that America does. Right. Their narrative in terms of slavery is so different. And yet they do still, they, you know, the racial issues that are there are, are very, very clear. And I was reading somewhere, somebody said, you know, when, when the British discuss race, they call it immigration. And so either you have to believe that all they talk about is race because all they're focused on is immigration, or they never talk about race. And neither of those things are, are good. But to have so many things between the pastor and the gospel, not, I don't think anyone was like, you know, we're going to force it down your throat that she's half black, but it felt authentic and it felt real and it felt like it, like it meant something. It wasn't there as a political statement. It was there as just a very kind of organic part of who she is. And it freshened it. And I think I saw a lot of people say, like, I, this is really weird. I didn't think it was weird. I just thought it was long. He spoke for 14 minutes. And when I read that he spoke for 14 minutes, I was like, really? Because it really did seem longer. But, like, I, I, I loved his energy. I loved his message. I agree with you about, about the, the slavery. Um, but... I personally, I really liked him. And you know what? It breathed, it breathed some life into a, an establishment where, you know, royals have been getting married for centuries and centuries and centuries. And other than the fashion, I don't think that those ceremonies have really changed much each century. Well, it changed a whole hell of a lot on Saturday. And I think that that's, you know, it. it a lot of people have said, you know, this, changes what it means to be black and British. And as somebody who's not black, I, I don't really have a place to comment on it. But the, the monarchy itself, it's very much almost like when Obama became president and people said, like, we're now in a post-racial society. I don't believe that. I don't believe that we're ever going to be post-racial. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's going to slowly and slowly become less important, especially as people, people like me, have more kind of, you know, culturally mixed and racially mixed children. But I don't think we're, I don't think that it's quote unquote post-racial, but I definitely think that it changes the narrative. It absolutely just visually changes the monarchy because if, you know, if you were black and British from that standpoint, there was nobody that looked like you. There was nobody that even hinted at you. And yet now we have a biracial duchess. Yep. Who is, and it's not, she's not tolerated. She's embraced. Nobody is, you know, they're, they're not just kind of, you know, giving Harry his due and saying, fine, let him do what he wants. I mean, 
Prince Charles walked her down the aisle. The queen invited her for Christmas. You get the sense that she is absolutely beloved and welcomed by the royal family. Never mind the outliers, but by the people who matter, they just seem to adore her. And I think that that's a symbol of of such deep change and that it's going to mean so much going down. I agree. I absolutely agree with, with what you just said. And I think, and again, you know, going back to Prince Charles, I mean, not only did he, he walk her down the aisle, but apparently if you've read all the news from this weekend and stuff, he gave just a really very touching toast at the queen's reception Saturday afternoon. And, you know, talked a lot about, a lot about what he called his old, his darling old Harry. And then, you know, went on to really give a nice tribute to her as well. I just, I think that even the way that, you know, we, when we're talking about the ceremony, the fact that this is a woman who walked herself halfway down by herself, was incredible to me. And then that he walked her. And I, you know, I, I kind of looked up whether or not there was ever any talk of he and Diana having a girl or anything like that. And there seemed to have been some chatter that Charles always said he wanted a girl. And I know that he's given somebody away before, but, and this isn't giving her, I didn't feel like he was giving her away. I felt like he was welcoming her in. And even when he walked, he almost seemed to walk just a step ahead of her. Like he was leading her to his son. I, I thought that Charles is somebody who I think has gotten a bad rap over the years. But there was, there was just such a comfort. And he looked so proud to be doing this that I, I thought it was a really beautiful beautiful moment. Um, you know, the kid behind her, the little page boy who looked like Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone, who was like, yeah, like that little kid. Do you know who I'm talking about? You have to. Yes, 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 yes. That was one of her friend that Jessica Mulroney's uh, kids. Okay. His face, all I saw was Home Alone. I saw little Macaulay Culkin being like, you know, this is the most exciting thing ever. He was adorable. She was the, the absolute picture of serenity and poise and grace. When he lifted her veil, the way she looked at him, and I will say this, I get she's an actress. I'm not stupid. Like, I understand that there's a level of this that is affected by that, but none of it looked fake. It looked so, so real, like the way that they looked at each other. It felt so intimate. It didn't feel like there were 600 people. It didn't feel like there were 20 people. It felt like there were, you know, Harry and Meghan. Uh -huh. Even, and speaking of, the fact that the kind of tagline was when Harry met Meghan, so American. Yeah. Because who doesn't love when Harry met Sally? And if you're young and you're listening to the podcast and you haven't seen when Harry met Sally, First of all, shame on you. Secondly, I give you permission to shut us down and go get it right now because it is an epic and fantastic movie. And if you've never seen a woman fake an orgasm, go and watch that scene. I just recently watched that movie. I mean, as recently as 
it was my flight back from London, you know, 11 hours. And there wasn't anything that I really wanted to see as far as new releases. So I went into the video library on the board and, and pulled out some oldies. And when Harry met Sally was one of them. And that movie just stands the test of time. It, it does, because I think it speaks to so much about how men and women interact. Can men and women be friends? Truly just platonic friends? You know, and, and those are, I guess, I have friends that are men that I don't have a romantic, that I have no romantic history with. None whatsoever. I have men that are friends that I had a former romantic history with. And that, you know, it, it just morphed into friendship. I think that it can, but I think that it's, it's such a great commentary and Billy Crystal is everything. And Meg, like the whole, that movie is perfect. It really was. It really is. And the fact that they were so cheeky because they're British about it and they made it when Harry met Megan, I thought was like super cute. So we've done, let's see, what have we done? We've done her styling. None of us talked about Harry. And I think that that's indicative of the wedding industry. You talk about the bride and you kind of are like, oh, and that, that groom. I, I loved that he kept his beard. Loved that he kept his beard. I think that the way that he loves her is just beautiful. I mean, his, his military outfit, good, great. The hat, fine. Um, but I think where he really made his statement was the second look. But the second look is iconic, Hollywood, glam, sexy, understated, elegant. It's the dress that you wanted that I said we wouldn't see until the reception. First of all, kudos to you, my friend, because you called Estella McCartney. Thank you. And you said, I would re like, I think we're going to see some drape, like something Grecian and something drapey. And I said, if we do, we won't see it till the reception. And we were both right there. But that dress and his tux they were that car they were absolutely that was they were just they were everything i cannot say that enough i when she came out i was like i was breathless i mean her face her hair that aqua we're going to talk about all of that the aquamarine went ring though when you go back to who she is and the different type of monarch that she's going to be that aquamarine ring was a ring that Diana commissioned for herself after she and Charles got divorced. She wanted to continue wearing something, and she didn't think it would be appropriate to wear the sapphire. And so she had that ring made for herself as a single woman, as somebody who was finally going to get to live her life on her terms. And the fact that that piece of jewelry is the one that Harry gave to Meghan. I thought was very much like, you know, you, you still get to be you. It was taking the intent behind it when his mother had it made and passing it on to his wife. Loved it. Loved it. And, the, and it matched the car. Like now I want to match my jewelry to my car. It was just stunning. It was perfect. They looked perfect. like something out of an ad. I, and I, I think I said this to you on the phone. This weekend, I said it, it was something out of like a Bond movie or just, you know, getting into the car and driving away and, you know, him in the top. But the Bronx it Tale moment, the Bronx Tale moment. 
where she he puts her in the car and she reaches over to make sure that he's unlocked. You didn't see that a lot in the press. You didn't see it a lot in video. But when she did that, it was just another display of she's not expecting him to dote on her. She's not expecting him to treat her like this super hyper delicate flower. And she's she's not there to be a silent witness. She's an active participant. And the fact that she takes care of him back when she reached over in the car was actually one of my favorite moments of the day. And you don't see it a lot. I just, I absolutely, there, everything about that entire scene was perfect. Yeah. And what I, if you go and you pull the picture of um, JFK Jr. and Carolyn Bissett Kennedy leaving their ceremony, and you put it next to the picture of Harry and Meghan leaving to go to their reception, they're like, they're literally mirrored opposites. Mm -hmm. And you see the two brides and she was quoted when they were talking about her wedding scene in suits and they were talking about all the different dresses she could wear. She made the comment and she said, Carolyn Bissett Kennedy was quote unquote, everything goals. And so I think we all knew she wanted to be simple. We all knew she wanted to have those clean lines. We all knew that there was going to be some level of a drape. Um, but when you put them up against each other, it, I really think that in this case, and when you talk about a fashion story, when you look at her first dress and her second dress together, the story they tell is so clear. It's, it's so clear that she looked for pieces that highlighted her that were not about the dress but about how the woman felt in the dress that let everything disappear except for who she was and her face. I thought it was an absolute perfect transition and it tied it all in. The second dress makes you love the first dress more. I felt that way. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I mean, it just, I have no words for how great it was. I, I mean, clearly I don't because I'm, I'm stumbling over my words right now, but it really, it just capped off just the entire day. It was such an elegant, such a, they were, they were the epitome of glamour. Like that was a magazine ad right there. That was a magazine cover. And it just, it was simple, but it was, it was so sexy and so, just they looked like how they not only did they look like royalty they looked like hollywood royalty yeah and i mean it's it was i i think that when for for me like stepping away from just giving a review of it because at the end of the day i don't think that anyone cares you know whether or not i, I don't think that megan markle is concerned about our podcast are you sure about but, that no i'm not actually somebody should tweet her she doesn't have a twitter anymore um but i, I think that what What's interesting about it all, as somebody who's so deeply immersed in weddings and wedding culture and events, let's talk about the trends that I think we're going to see, what we think we're going to see coming out of this. The fact that we are one, there is no doubt in my mind, we are going to see a whole lot of bridal fashion that is streamlined. We're going we're gonna to get away from the lace that was really kind of rebirthed with Kate. 
we are going to get away from embellishment. And as much as we all kind of feel like the tailoring was just a touch off on her, it's going to be about well-placed seams. It's going to be about fabric. It's going to be about letting the person shine through beyond the dress. I think that bridal fashion is going to go deep into minimalism because she has given us permission to not like, I think that the days of like the panina, the overt sexiness, the naked dress, the see-through, I think those are going to be things that are reserved for like reality stars. But I think that socialites, I think that people with, with a level of sophistication are going to go very, very minimalistic for at least the next three years. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a, I, I, we've already been seeing a return to formality, which I love because like in my world, I love opulence. I, in terms of just the feeling, I think that more is more is better um, or less is nothing is perfect. I don't, I'm not somebody who lives in the gray area or the middle grounds. I am when it comes to styling, I'm an extremist. I love nothing or I love everything. I think we're going to see a lot of very intentional choices. What I'm hoping that we see, and I don't necessarily think that we will, but what I would truly love to see is I would love to see a return to the, the afternoon morning ceremony. Like the idea that we could do something that, that American wedding industry would start doing a daytime reception or I'm sorry, a daytime ceremony where we can do something the way that they did and, you know, have a ceremony, have a beautiful brunch and then change and go into a nighttime glam. I would love to see that take off. That's exactly fantastic. So isn't it, isn't that the way it used to be? Because that's what my parents had and that's what my sister had. It used to be that way. And then people started complaining about, you know, the drive to the church or people stopped going to the church and were just going to the reception. And it, we got away from the meaning and we started moving towards the convenience. Well, it was more convenient to just do it all together. But the idea that we could go back and we could start seeing like a wedding ceremony at 12, followed by a one to three brunch, maybe even just for the bridal party Mm -hmm. or bridal party and family. And then a nighttime dinner. We already see brides changing and having multiple dresses. We already see, I mean, hell, I've had three grooms now that have done tuxedo changes where they've swapped out their tuxedo jacket for a smoking jacket, or they've changed their shoes or things like that. So the, the outfit change is something that we're seeing. But if we broke it up, if we did something during the day and then gave it a break and then went back, I think the impact would be amazing. I'm going to, I will say this, I'm going to push for that. If you are out there on the podcast and you are listening and you are a bride or groom to be, I want to do something where we break up the day in this manner. Call me. Well, I will keep that in mind for when and if, you know. You know, in the event that, you know, you get married, this is what we'll be doing for you. Perfect. Perfect. So, hey, Alan, if you're out there, you guys are going to have a long ass day. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's, it was just something that I thought, 
I love the idea of that. And I love the fact, and this is, again, something that Americans have been known for for a while, but it fits so beautifully into who they are. Um, they, all of the flowers were taken and then made into bouquets and sent to hospice. That's lovely. And then they, you know, can, keeping with the tradition that the queen mother, Queen Elizabeth's mom had started, um, her bouquet was actually placed on the tomb of the unknown soldier in Westminster. Yes. Which and Megan's was that. as well. Yep. And I, you know, we didn't even talk about her bouquet. I love the fact that he picked those flowers for it. Um, I thought it, it was interesting because with Kate, you didn't see the bottom stems no. at all. With hers, you did. And it added to the kind of green motif that was happening. And again, and not you, to use the word rustic because it was anything but rustic. It was and no. It, yeah, it was but not rustic. But um, there was a there was a very natural, there was a nod to the natural. And I, I found... I found her bouquet to look very natural and that's what I liked. It was, but the, the other thing is if you look at, just look at the color green, you know, this wedding was so fraught with symbolism and with meaning from the flowers he picked to the flowers that were in the arches to the way that her veil was embroidered. I, I think that this was an incredibly intentional wedding. Green is the color of life. It's renewal. It's energy. It's, it stands for like, growth and harmony and freshness and, you know, fertility and virility. And it's this natural environment. And if you look at who she is, that is everything that she's bringing to the monarchy. She's renewing it. She's bringing it this new life and this energy. And there's like this feeling of growth that's happening. And the green really kind of, you know, symbolically, I think, goes into that. And I think that all of these other colors that we were seeing, the pastels and the yellows, all of the, the softness goes to kind of her energy, but the green, especially that we saw, you, look, notice you didn't really see a whole lot of red. You no. didn't see a lot of bold. You didn't see a lot of jewel tones. Everything was, was really, really soft. And the green, I, I think was another meaning. Well, and green is such a Zen color. And that's, that's one thing that, I, that, and again, to your point, she's an actress, you know, she can act her way through anything. Um, but I, I just felt this, this sense of serenity and Zenness every time I looked at her, like she was so relaxed and so comfortable. And so just, Oh yeah. And, and, you know, and I think, that to your point with, you know, green being all of that, it's also just very, um, there was just such a chill vibe to it. Despite all the pomp and pageantry, there was a very chill vibe. And, you know, going back to like the preacher and all of the unique touches, never once did I watch that wedding and feel like they were aware of the people around them. Not at all. They were, it was, they were just so focused on each other. And, him in particular, he was so focused on her. Because at the end of the day, and I, I'm going to wrap up with this because if there's, I, because after this, I don't think I have anything else to say. I'm sure I have a million things to say. At the end of the day, this was not her fairy tale. This was his, this was, this was a boy 
who was so broken, who was made whole again by a woman that he loves. And I don't think there's anything like for me, that's what this was about. It's easy to talk about her because she's beautiful and she's glamorous and the fashion and the jewelry and all of those things. But when it comes to the fairy tale, this was Harry's happy ending. And it's the happy ending we all wanted for him. And I think all of the other stuff goes away when you realize that. Yeah. I mean, that that's a great way to look at it because you're absolutely right. You know, especially leading up to the wedding and all of that and all of the stories that they would televise or the articles that we've read. And he really, you know, there was a period of time where he just kind of floundered and, you know, he, they call him the reluctant Royal. Like, you know, he, he was born into this. He didn't have a choice and um, he was broken. Um, And, you know, that that's, he's even spoken about that. He's spoken about how he didn't deal with his mother's death. Um, and I think, you know, I I don't want to say she saved him, but she, she helped him heal a hundred percent. She made him okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that for us, this is, this is a good way to step away. It's a, it's a good way to, to end it. I am sad that it's over, but I am thrilled for the two of them. I am thrilled for what it means for Americans. I'm thrilled for what it means for the British. This will go down in history as one of the most well-done weddings that we have ever seen. I appreciate the fact that you came back and you talked about this. I am really glad that we actually didn't get into this big of a conversation prior to the podcast, because I think it gave us a chance to kind of get scrappy and disagree with each other. For everyone who is watching or listening, for everyone who is listening, if you have thoughts about the Royal Wedding, if you have anything you want to share, you can reach me at Andrea Eppolito pretty much everywhere on social. And Maria Nardi will be back. She is our Brit-ish correspondent. And I am here celebrating life, luxury, and above all else, love. Thank you for sharing part of your day with me. Thanks, guys, so much. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.